Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the art of charm. Learn everything you need to know to crush it in business, love, and life. The art of charm is where ordinary guys become extraordinary men. Welcome, guys and gals, to The Art of Charm. I'm Jordan Harbinger. The Art of Charm brings together the best thought leaders, teachers, and personalities to teach you how to be a top performer in life, love, and at work. Imagine having a mix of experienced mentors, teaching you their expertise, and packing decades of research, testing, and tough lessons into a curriculum. We may not have all the answers, but we have a lot of the questions. Make sure to stay up to date with The Art of Charm and get some great stuff that we don't or can't share on the show by signing up for the newsletter at theartofcharm.com. If you like what you hear on the show, come hang out with us on the blog. We get really in-depth on some of the topics, and you can further engage with the AOC team there as well. Or if you're new to the show and you want to find out more about what we teach here at The Art of Charm, you can go to the website, and we'll email you our fundamentals toolkit that covers topics like body language and nonverbal communication, dating and attraction, persuasion, business networking, public speaking, negotiation, and a whole lot more. And we've got our live programs running every single week here in Los Angeles, California. In fact, we've got guys from all over the world, which shows that no matter where where you are, you can make it here if you want to learn and grow. We're sold out a few months in advance, so if you're even thinking about it a little bit, you should get in touch ASAP by phone or just email me, jordan at theartofcharm.com, to get some info from us now so you can plan ahead. We're looking forward to meeting you here at AOC. Today we're talking with Chester Santos. He gives speeches all over the place, including in the media, about how to improve your memory, and he does some amazing, amazing feats of memory. I mean, things that are just unbelievable. We're gonna talk today about how to flex your memory by remembering everyday things and being conscious about it, using something called your memory palace to remember really complicated things, and I'll be demoing this with Jason, and of course, using all your senses to build a map for remembering, and visualization, extra senses, and imagination. So enjoy this one with Chester Santos. Tell us what you do in one sentence. I give speeches and presentations around the world that help people to unlock the extraordinary power of their mind, uh, specifically memory ability. Okay. And you've won the 2008 Memory Championship, which I'll tell you is something I'd never heard of before, but it makes sense that there is that. It's just kind of funny because I'm imagining it's like a spelling bee, only you have to actually memorize everything that's in there. What are those competitions like? How do you compete with other people on memory? If you, Are you memorizing the same things? Yeah, so it's interesting that you mentioned spelling bee because there is one part of the competition that is very, very similar to how a spelling bee works. Uh, but we start out with qualifying rounds in the morning where it's written information. Everybody is memorizing the same material. So one is a sequence of computer-generated random digits. Everyone has the same sheet. They're, they're about 500 digits on the sheet, but it's the longest sequence that you can memorize in order in five minutes. Uh, we get uh, yearbook pages, sheets that look like yearbook pages. There's someone's picture and then their first and last name underneath. 
We have 15 minutes to memorize those. Then we're given the pictures again, but in a different order. They may even be on different pages. And then from memory, you have to write the correct name underneath the picture. That's another event. We memorize a 50-line poem that's written specifically for the competition. We memorize a deck of playing cards, and it's the fastest time to memorize the deck wins that event. Oh, wow. So you could mess up by thinking you had it memorized in a great short time and then making a mistake. Yeah, so you have to do it perfectly. So if you memorize it in two minutes, but there's one mistake, you you lose to someone that took five minutes but had it perfect. Right. No, that totally makes sense. And of course, people are thinking, I know all the cards in a deck of cards. You mean the order of the cards in the whole deck. So 52 different cards in what order they're in. They take a 52-card deck, they shuffle it up, and you have a maximum of five minutes to commit that to memory. When the memorization time is up, they give you a new deck of cards in new deck order, and you have to arrange the second deck from memory into the same order as the first deck you memorized. And you have a maximum of five minutes to arrange those cards in order from memory. They put the two decks together side by side, and then they flip all the cards to make sure that they all match. Wow. That's how we're tested on that event. At one point, I was able to do that in less than 90 seconds. That's crazy. Like, you're looking at this, you shuffle through it a few times, and then you're like, got it. Yeah. That's what that looks like to the outsider. That's what it looks like to the outsider. Yeah, but so much work has gone into reaching that point. So I use systems really that anybody can learn uh, in order to pull off those feats of memory. And there are real world business applications to those techniques. Yeah, well, I definitely want to talk about that in a bit and talk about the work and talk about how the layman or the listener or me, for example, can train this. I want to, I, I want to, how did you find out that you even had this talent in the first place? Like where were you just like a kid and your mom was like, Chester can literally look at something and like knows all of the stuff that's in it or like, how did he remember that? I mean, how did this come about? So growing up, I would just often get the comment, wow, you have a really good memory. People would often make that comment and one night just randomly it happened in the year 2000 I was flipping channels one night and I happened to catch a segment on ABC's 2020 there was a segment on the United States National Memory Championship and I saw what the contestants were doing and since I was known for having a good memory I thought that it was a competition that I might be able to do well at however when I looked into what the best people in the country were scoring in the various events, I quickly realized that even though I had a really good memory, I could not get anywhere close to those results. So I was not able to memorize a deck of cards in less than five minutes. I wasn't able to memorize a hundred plus digit sequence perfectly in five minutes or hundreds of names. I wasn't able to do those things even though I had a good memory. Uh, so I was still, even though I realized I couldn't hang with the best in the country, I was still interested in competing and I wanted to see how I could take my memory, which was very good and make it even better. So that's when I started researching into memory training techniques. I read 
tons and tons of books on memory training. I did a lot of online research. I found what worked best for me personally. And then I started concentrating my training with that subset of techniques that I feel works the best. And eventually I became really, really good to where at, at one point I did end up winning that competition, the United States Memory Championship. And now I train other people around the world in the subset of techniques that I feel work best. I train them and how they can apply those techniques to their career, personal life, and in school. Awesome, that's great. And so how did you start to train yourself? Like, What was the first thing you did when you saw that special and you decided, I can do that? Where did you even begin? I started off with the very basic types of memory improvement techniques, which involve visualization. You're gonna utilize additional senses from there. You use your creativity and imagination to make what you are seeing and experiencing crazy, unusual, extraordinary. Uh, I started out using something called the story method, which incorporates those principles. And I really just started practicing with random words. That's the easiest thing I feel to start out with. It's just an easy thing to practice, just memorizing random word lists. And that actually is also an event in the United States Memory Championship. It's one of the later rounds for the finalists. They actually take us to a back room. Uh, at that point, there are eight finalists in the competition. You have 15 minutes to memorize as many random words as you can in order. And they give you a list of hundreds of words. Then they put the finalists on a stage. And the first finalist needs to give the first word for memory. The second contestant gives the second word for memory. Third one, third word. So it's sort of like a spelling bee because if it gets to you, um, and you don't remember the word there, or you accidentally give the wrong word, then you're immediately eliminated from a competition. Oh man, that would be so much pressure. It's a lot of pressure. So that one is sort of like a spelling bee in a way. Yeah. So what percentage of this is talent, and what percentage of this is training? I mean, that, that's very difficult to say. It's definitely a combination of both. So I would say that if you start off with a memory that maybe is not so great, you might have to put in more training to reach a certain level, whereas someone else could reach that same level if they had more of a natural ability with memory, but it would take them less training. But in the end, I feel everyone is capable of achieving really extraordinary things with their memory. Definitely everyone can dramatically improve their memory from where it currently is with the right training and practice. I, I strongly believe that anyone can learn to give a speech or presentation from memory without notes. Anyone can do that with training and practice. Anyone can commit to memory important business-related facts and figures to seem, you know, to be perceived as more of an expert in your field. Anyone can get better at remembering names to get more out of networking and build better business personal relationships. I feel, I strongly believe anyone can achieve those types of things with the right training and practice. Is anyone out there capable of memorizing a deck of cards in less than 90 seconds? That I'm not sure on. You know, I'm not positive about that, but you, you know, most people don't need to pull off those things. You don't need to memorize two decks of cards at the same time in five minutes. Things that we do in the memory championship is not really necessarily useful for everyone out there and you don't really need to be able to do that. Um, I pulled those things off, but I, I admit that I had a little bit of a head start with memory. 
I definitely understand that with the, the talent. Like, you teach this, of course. Who, who are the youngest people you teach it to and who are the oldest people that you teach it to? A wide range. So I have a workshop that I teach in San Francisco. Uh, in that workshop, I get people ages 8 and up, 8, 9, 10, a lot of kids. The oldest, I believe, has been around 90. This year in January, I had a woman in my workshop that was 85 years old who was razor sharp, believe it or not. She actually completely outperformed people in the workshop that were in their 30s. Uh, it was really, really amazing. And, and it goes to show that you can actually have a razor sharp memory at any age, but it's more about who is working at uh, exercising their memory people that are engaged in lifelong learning tend to be able to stay really mentally sharp. So you mentioned that most people don't need to memorize a deck of cards or do the tricks that you guys do in the the memory competitions, but what's kind of the minimum that people should be training for in their daily lives and their business lives? I think things that you should be working toward is what you're asking. I think it's important in business to get better at remembering names. Uh, I like to quote the book, how to Win Friends and Influence People. That's uh, a really great book that I encourage any entrepreneur, business person, I recommend they read that book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. In that book, it was written that the sweetest sound to a person in any language is the sound of their own name and also that everyone's favorite subject is themselves. <laughs> so if you are able to remember people's names and other things about them, it really helps to build better business personal relationships, of course, you're going to get much more out of attending networking events if you can be better at remembering names. So I think that's something everyone should work toward. I would encourage people to get better at giving presentations for memory with no notes or at least minimizing the amount of notes that you use. Many trial attorneys have gone through my training because they've told me that when they lose eye contact with the jury to look through all of their notes, they lose the jury's attention, and they are much less persuasive than the attorney that has all of the key facts from the case uh, committed to memory and is able to give opening and closing arguments uh, totally from memory without having to look through a bunch of notes. That's something I think anyone can get better at doing that. Presentations, just committing to memory important facts and figures, uh, important uh, things just related to your job, your specific career. It's going to be more impressive to people if you actually know those things and have e easy mental access to that information. You're going to be perceived as much more of an expert in your particular field. Um, something easy I think that everyone can relate to is phone numbers. So I like to talk about that in my presentations. When you think about it, we all used to be really good at remembering the numbers of friends family members, important phone numbers, we could easily dial those from memory. And it used to be the case if someone gave you one number, an important number, you could commit that to memory. Nowadays, if you give someone one phone number, they get scared to death of <laughs> trying to commit that to memory. And, and it's so bad that nowadays, a lot of people actually don't even know their own phone number. It's pretty scary, but that's the case. I think people should try to commit more and more phone numbers to memory. You still have it there in your phone, but make an effort to dial some numbers from memory. And if you can't do it, then at that point, go ahead and use the auto dial from the address book. 
but at least make an effort. I think that's an easy way to practice your memory, exercise your memory on a daily basis. And if you end up learning these memory training techniques, it's an easy way to practice with the techniques on a daily basis as well. Yeah, I totally remember when I was a kid and we didn't have cell phones back then. You knew everybody's number by heart. And yeah. if somebody told you their number, you could get it in like, you know, one or two just, okay, let me repeat that back to you. Okay, yeah. I got it. You know, exactly. I, I kind of miss those days because now if, if my phone dies, I can't even call anybody for help. Yeah, to to be fair, that was pre-area code in every phone number, right? Like you could say, Hey, like, I'm not that old. Johnny, we know if you listen to the show, you are driven. In fact, we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to recent Indeed survey. We have hired a lot of team members over the last 17 years. Going through endless resumes, well, that's a time sink. But you know what else is a time sink? Interviewing endless people because they're all going to give you the best face forward. That's why we love Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash charm. Just go to indeed.com slash charm right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash charm. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Lennon and McCartney, Jagger and Richards, Watson and Crick, AJ and Johnny. What about the perfect duo when it comes to growing your business? Well, that's you and Shopify. That's right, Johnny. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling your own fire merch or promoting your productivity programs, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort Thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, as well as millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. 
Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. And AJ, you don't have to just sell your stuff anymore. With Shopify Collective, you can curate products to sell from the brands that you love, giving your customers more variety and your business more sales. Shopify is your no-excuses business partner. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash charm. Go to shopify.com slash charm now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash charm. Now back to Chester Santos. I remember just seven digits. There was a kid down the street. And then I remember when I was in high school, I had to, one day I tried to call my buddy Tim and it was like, please dial an area code when dialing this number. And I'm like, what? It's five houses away. So I had to dial my own area code to get my buddy on the line. And then, of course, everybody got cell phones. But I'll tell you what, me and Jenny, we quizzed each other the first few months where our relationship was like was pretty serious. We were like, okay, we have to memorize each other's cell phones. Because if you lose your phone, you need to be able to walk into a gas station or whatever and be like, hey, Jordan, I'm stuck on the road and I don't have my phone. Yeah, phone numbers are a great example of the use it or lose it principle as it applies to memory. So we were good at remembering numbers because we were always forcing ourselves to do it, commit numbers to memory. But nowadays, it's a little bit more difficult because we're, we never have our brains perform that function. So it's, it's a really good example of the use it or lose it principle as it applies to memory. Now, to go back to the presentation thing, I've been talking with Jordan here. He's uh, getting his big talk together and he's like, I've got eight pages of notes and there's no way that I'm going to be able to memorize this. And I'm like, oh, come on, man. We've got enough techniques out there. You can do it. You can do it. So what kind of practical advice would you give Jordan to memorize his eight pages of notes for his big talk coming up? Yeah. So what I like to do for speeches and presentations, there, there are many different ways you could go about it. What I like to do is you know, once you've researched the topic, create an outline of all of the major points and subpoints. So if Jordan has eight pages right now, I'm guessing he wrote out the whole speech word for word. No, that's an eight page outline. That's just an outline. No, yes. That's of all of points and subpoints. Right. It's a it's an hour long keynote. Wow. Okay. That's a lot of points and subpoints for one hour. You're going to talk a lot about a lot of different topics, I guess. Yeah. How many points and subpoints would you say it is total? Like a hundred? Oh, man, I don't know. I mean, I really have no idea. It's uh, it's seven and a half pages to be fair, and the font's pretty okay. decent. I mean, it's probably fourteen points. So let's say it was like twenty-five to fifty points. What I like people to do is use the journey method. That's what modern memorizers like myself refer to it as. We call it the journey method. This technique actually originated with the ancient Greeks. It was known then as the method of loci, L-O-C-I, loci meaning location. It was used later in history by the Romans. So the Roman orators actually could give speeches hours in length from memory without any notes. Uh, the famous orator Cicero actually used this specific technique. What it involves is simply using locations from your environment that you're familiar with you just learn those in, in an ordering that would make sense for you to traverse through those locations if you were just walking around this place. 
um, once you have those locations down in order, you can actually just use your creativity and imagination to place images at the various locations that would remind you of whatever it is you want to remember. So in this case, you would put vivid imagery at each of the locations that rem just remind you in some way of that major point or sub point that you want to get across to the audience. So then you could give the whole presentation in order by simply walking through those locations in your mind in order, mentally taking a mental stroll through those locations, and you will just see the images that you've placed there. Right on. So like memory palace. That's another name for it is memory palace. So method of loci, Roman room method, journey method, memory palace, those pretty much all refer to the same technique. Cool. Yes. We can link to some resources in the show notes on that stuff as well. Um, what's the most random stuff that you've memorized then? I mean, in a life of memory, you've, you've probably tried to memorize tons of stuff. Some that's really handy, like, you know, phone numbers, and some that's really not, like, well, I, I'll let you tell us. Yeah, so I mean, I practice what I preach, so I give all of my presentations from memory without notes. I've become really, really good at remembering the names of people that I meet, so I make it a point to lock in people's names. I practice all of the, the practical applications that I teach everyone else, but in addition to that, I like to do big, large-scale memory demonstrations from time to time, which I've done on various television shows to demonstrate what is possible with memory training. And my hope is to inspire people with what actually the human brain is capable of with training. So a couple of those that I've done, one I did on NBC News a couple of times was demonstrating perfect recall of all of the Kentucky Derby results since it started in the year 1875. So the last time I did it in 2010, the reporter would call out any random year between 1875 and 2010, and I would instantly give from memory the name of the winning horse, the winning jockey, and the winning time down to a hundredth of a second. So that is a demonstration I've done. Another one I did is I started an episode of PBS's Nova Science, and for that I had memorized all of the representatives, actually, from I memorized the entire United States Congress, both the House and the Senate, everyone's first name, last name, state, district number, political party, all congressional committees on which they serve, special positions held within those committees and held within Congress in general is more than 4,000 pieces of data that I had to have random access to in my head like a computer. Um, that's probably the largest scale demonstration that I've done. So I do things like that from time to time just as a demonstration and to try to show people what's possible with training. That's crazy. So like not only, I would assume you've memorized useful stuff too, like credit card numbers, your passport number, people's phone numbers. Yeah, I have all of that stuff memorized and it's just really convenient and it's a really, you know, big time saver. You can just order anything online from, you know, just dialing or just entering in your credit card number and expiration, all that from memory. Definitely useful to have the passport number memorized, flight numbers, gates, flight times. Uh, I don't have to 
look that stuff up. So it's just really convenient and it's a time saver. Yeah, or you can use one password, you know, but but I see what you're going. Yeah. Um, how long did it take you to memorize the 4,000 piece Congress state district party position thing? So I didn't actually log the number of hours or the exact time. It took me about a week or so. And I was memorizing hours and hours per day. I mean, it took me more than a week, probably. And I would say I was memorizing at least five hours a day. Oh, my God. It was a pretty intense demonstration. I mean, even for a memory champion, it was really a quite intense demonstration because I had to do that on a stage in New York City for hundreds of people in the audience and the media was recording it as well. So I didn't want to get up on the stage and make any mistakes. So I really drilled that into my head. I mean, I would practice reciting that in my apartment. I would recite it to myself really quick at a very fast pace for hours. And I wouldn't even be to the halfway of the scroll bar. That to the halfway point of the scroll bar, like on your document or whatever. Yeah, right? I was I was memorizing memorizing it off of Wikipedia, and I would recite it really quickly for hours, and and I wouldn't even be to the halfway point in the scroll bar. It was, it was just it was just an insane amount of data. Now, is that type of thing fun? Because it sounds like torture to me. <laughs> I enjoy challenges like that, though. I mean, that one was pretty. Tough, and there were certain points where I I doubted myself. I doubted if I would be able to pull it off perfectly. The way I do it, though, it's it, it can be a lot of fun. There's certain points where I'm smiling and laughing to myself because I encode all of that data with these crazy, extraordinary imagery. You know, images. It can be entertaining, and and I can't describe fully the sense of accomplishment that you feel when you actually pull something like that off. It's a really great feeling to actually accomplish something like that. Yeah, that would be huge. I just could never, that particular feat is awful. Is this the type of thing where you remember random details all the time or is it is it always conscious that you have to train it? Yeah, I mean, I would say that I probably remember more random details than the average person, but it's not anything extraordinary without me turning it on. So this is basically a skill that I have developed that I can turn on and off. Think of it as like a superpower that you can activate. Okay, but how do we activate it? The memory skills for building up a f vocabulary in a foreign language and passing certifications or even in college, how do we start to train this? I, I know the phone number thing, practice, use it or lose it, but what else can we do to like memorize foreign language vocab or, or have maybe even the people listening right now become kind of amazed with themselves? Yeah, so anyone can become good at, at foreign language vocabulary, what you want to apply always are three main principles. So memory champions like myself employ three main principles at all times, no matter what technique we're using. Um, I'm going to go over those now and I'll have you and Jason go through an exercise. Nice. See if you're able to complete it and the, the listeners to your podcast can uh, follow along as well. So the three principles that you want to employ are first visualization. Okay, so you want to take whatever it is that you're trying to remember and turn it into an image. Okay, so that's step one. Step two, you want to utilize additional senses from there. So if in addition to seeing it, you can hear it, taste it, smell it, touch it, 
in your mind, this activates more areas of your brain and you're building more connections in your mind to the information so it makes it much easier to retrieve when you need it later on. So that's the second thing you want to do. Third principle is you want to make what you are seeing and experiencing in your mind crazy, unusual, extraordinary in some way. This is because we have a psychological aspect to our memory. And that is that we naturally remember things with little to no effort. We remember things that catch us by surprise, that are crazy, extraordinary in some way. So right now, while we are doing this interview, if an elephant, if this actually happened right now, if an elephant came crashing into your apartment through the front door right now, if that actually happened and it started spraying water all over you guys with its trunk, if that happened right now, you might remember that for the rest of your life and always tell that story. Yeah. Never believe this. We were doing an Art of Charm interview with this memory guy and an elephant crashed into my apartment. It was unbelievable. It might be stuck there forever without you putting forth any effort at all to commit that to memory. So that's due to the psychological aspect to our memory. Scientists don't even fully understand how this works in the brain, how some things can just instantly transfer into your long-term memory. However, we do realize that there is this aspect of how our mind works, and we can harness that. We can take advantage of it and apply it to things that would be useful for us to remember, things that would help us out in our career, our personal life, in school. When you combine those three principles, visualization, utilizing additional senses from there, and you use your creativity and your imagination to make what you are seeing and experiencing crazy, unusual, extraordinary, when you combine those three principles, it becomes very, very easy to remember anything at all. So you are going to put this into practice right now. I'll have you and Jason commit to memory the following random list of words. It's going to be, the word list is going to be monkey, and you're not writing this down. You're just using your head, your, your memory here. Yeah, Jason was like, good thing I have notepad open. The second you were like, <laughs> we're going to give you guys a test. So okay, hands off the keyboard. Yeah, I exactly, promise. exactly. Nothing but your brain, your memory here. Okay, so we're memorizing the items or the things that you're giving us. Okay, got it. And remember these 15 things in order. It's going to be monkey, iron, rope, kite, house, paper, shoe, worm, envelope, pencil, river, rock, tree, cheese, and quarter. All right? Dude, I, I'm, I've got like the first one and the last one. <laughs> I'm down to, I got the rope. So that's pretty common. And, and when I recite that list of words to my audiences, this is an exercise that I go through in my presentations. A lot of times I get looks from people in the audience, guys, you know, men and women are looking at me as if, come on, man, are you serious? There's no way I'm going to be able to remember that. Not unless you give me a lot of time to do it. But in fact, they always have it memorized and you will as well. You'll, you'll know it perfectly forwards and backwards with just about three to four minutes of memorization time. How you're going to pull this off, and even next week, you'll still know it forwards and backwards without any further review. How you will pull this off is you're just going to listen to what I described to you, and you will just see and experience it happening in your mind. That's it, okay? Oh, cool. So you're like making the memory palace for yes. us. Yeah. I'm going to go through a, a, a visual, and I just want you to see and experience what I described to you happening in your mind. That's it. The key here 
is to have fun with this, okay? So you want to be smiling, giggling. If you're smiling, giggling, laughing during this exercise, it's a good sign that you're going to remember it. You want to come at this more as a fun exercise in using your creativity and your imagination rather than coming at this as a difficult memory exercise. So I actually memorized a half deck of cards on CNN during the commercial break. And then I had to recite it live on the air for millions of people watching. During the memorization, if you watch my CNN clip, it's on my website, you will see that during the memorization, I am smiling, I'm giggling. That's how I do it. It's a fun process, really, in using my creativity and imagination. It's not a boring, rote memory exercise, right? So try to have fun with this. First word was monkey. So I want for you both to see a monkey. Visualize that. This monkey is dancing around. It's making monkey noises. Whatever monkey would sound. I'm working on that monkey impression. <laughs> okay. Someday it might be decent, but I'm working on it. The point here is to see and hear that monkey, okay? Because that was the first word. The monkey now picks up a giant iron, all right? So see this monkey now dancing around with this giant iron, all right? Because that was the second word. The iron starts to fall and a rope attaches itself to the iron. Maybe even feel that rope. Perhaps it feels sort of rough, okay? Really interact with that rope. You look up the rope and you see that the other end of the rope is attached to a kite. And that kite is flying around in the air. It's flying around in the air. Maybe you reach up and you try and touch it, but it's just out of your reach, that kite. The kite now crashes into the side of a house. Really see it smash into the side of this house. Okay. The house, you notice, is completely covered in paper. For some reason, it's completely covered in paper. See that happening. Next word was paper. A shoe appears out of nowhere now, and it starts to walk all over that paper. Maybe it's messing up the paper as it's walking on it, that shoe. The shoe smells pretty badly, so you decide to investigate and see why. You look inside of the shoe, and you find a little worm crawling around inside of that shoe. There's a little worm crawling around. Next word is worm. The worm jumps out of the shoe and into an envelope. Really see it go into the envelope. A pencil appears out of nowhere now, and it starts to write all over the envelope. It's frantically writing on the envelope, that pencil. The pencil now jumps into a river. And there's a huge splash for some reason when that little pencil hits the river. The river you notice now is crashing up against a rock. It's crashing up against a rock. The rock now flies into a tree. Really see that rock smash into the tree. And this tree you notice is growing cheese. You've probably not seen that before. The tree is growing cheese. And out of each piece of cheese shoots a quarter. A quarter shoots out of each piece of cheese. The last word was quarter, as in uh, 25 cents, a quarter. Okay? Mm -hmm. That was the last word. Now, I am going to go through this again, but very quickly this time. I'm going to go through this very quickly. And your job at this point is to simply replay through the story that you've created in your mind. So we had the monkey 
was dancing around with an iron. The rope attached itself. The other end of the rope was attached to a kite. That kite smashed into a house. The house was covered in paper. A shoe walked on that paper. Inside of the shoe was a worm. The worm jumped into an envelope. A pencil wrote on the envelope. The pencil jumped into a river. The river was crashing into a rock. The rock flew into the tree. That tree is growing cheese. And out of the cheese shot a quarter. All right? Mm-hmm. I can you totally do this. So you guys should be able to recall now pretty easily the entire random list of words by simply going through the story in your mind and recalling each major object that you encounter. So let's have Jordan from memory give me back those random words. Take your time. Try to go through all of them in order. I could actually do it even before you went through the review. I quizzed myself on the review and I totally got it. So there's a monkey dancing around. So it's monkey, iron, rope, kite, house, paper, shoe, worm, envelope, pencil, river, rock, tree, cheese, quarter. Perfect. Awesome, man. Perfect. I'm clapping for you. Nice job. I cannot believe I did that. I really can't believe I did that that quickly. Over the last 17 years, we have launched our fair share of online courses, coaching programs, and finding the right platform has always been a challenge. They say if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. But if you're an entrepreneur, you know the hard work that comes with it. That's why you need Kajabi. Kajabi makes it easy to run your entire online business from one platform so you can focus on what you love, creating. Kajabi is the ultimate all-in-one platform that helps creators and entrepreneurs build successful online businesses by unlocking predictable recurring revenue. No matter your niche, Kajabi makes it easy to turn your skills, passions, and experiences into enriching online courses, exclusive membership sites, subscription podcasts, thriving communities, personalized coaching, and more. The best part? Kajabi doesn't cut into your revenue because everything is owned and controlled by you. So keep 100% of what you earn. And with Kajabi, you also get robust analytics, easy payment options, email marketing tools, and customizable website templates all built in. You don't even need a huge audience to make sustainable income. There are thousands of creators on Kajabi making six and seven figures with less than 50,000 followers. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business if you go to kajabi.com slash charm. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash charm. Go to kajabi.com slash charm and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion. Now back to Chester Santos. That's cool that you that you have that. That's pretty amazing. Let's have Jason try backwards. Okay, so the quarter goes into the cheese that was on the tree. It was hit by the rock that was pushed by the river that had a pencil drop into it that was writing on an envelope that had a worm in it that was uh, from the shoe that landed on the paper that was on the house. It got hit by the kite that was dangling from the rope that had the iron and was held by the monkey. Yeah. Awesome, man. Perfect. Perfect. That's pretty badass. Great job. So you see that stuff. I mean, this is how memory champions like myself pull off these incredible memory feats. 
It's just training with the right techniques, techniques that make the most efficient use of the brain to encode the information. So it's just really easy for anybody to get better at remembering things with these techniques. That story method, you could even apply to a speech or presentation, but I would only apply the story method to a shorter speech or presentation. Yeah. If it's something longer, I would go more with the journey method, memory palace type method instead. Cool, yeah. Is there any use to chunking it? Like, you know, okay, this part of the story is like section one, so this is story one. And this part of the story, like act two, that would be story two and then story three. So you don't have this like extraordinarily long story. That is a great idea to do with uh, really large bodies of data. Yeah, that would be a good way to make the story method a little bit more extensible. So uh, that's a great way to do it. I would think of it as, yeah, different scenes. That is one way you could do it if you didn't want to use the method of loci. Yeah. Wow. That, okay, that's pretty fascinating. I did not expect that to go so well. I was like, yeah, we're going to learn some stuff and I'm totally not going to be able to do it. I totally just did that. And, and I thought, okay, we're going to have to pause the show while I like study this list and memorize it. And that did not happen. That was no, pretty incredible. Yeah. So if you just need, and that was a list of 15 things. Of course, the speech, I mean, I speak a lot. The way you do it is you rehearse. Yeah. You got to practice. But yeah, definitely. I mean, you can commit to memory 25 to 50 points of a speech pretty easily with the method of loci. The story method would be very useful for a shorter presentation. Do you ever memorize things in other languages? Like I'm trying to figure out how this might apply to foreign vocabulary and things like that. Yeah, I mean, so all you're going to do is come up with a simple image that will represent for you the English, and then you will use your creativity and imagination to come up with an image that will remind you of the foreign language vocabulary word. So I'll give you one quick example. In Korean, the word for P is Kang. Kang. So I have people commit that to memory by imagining or picturing a gigantic P. Who comes along to eat that pea? King Kong comes along and starts eating this gigantic pea. So when you ask yourself, what's the Korean word for pea? Uh, immediately that image of King Kong comes back to you and it will rem King Kong will remind you enough of that word you were studying in Korean, Kong. Ah. That's how you do it. I thoroughly train people in that in my online course and my workshops. This applies to really any foreign language. With the right training and practice, I believe it's manageable for anybody to learn 100 new words a day in a foreign language. That would be tremendous. I mean, definitely Chinese, you might get a little percentage of it just because you can't even friggin' pronounce the symbol unless you know what it is, but yeah. A little bit more difficult. In that case, so foreign language words and also foreign names I commit them to memory in that case by breaking the word down by syllable. So instead of one image, it might just be a series of images. You just break it down by syllable and you might have like a mini story that would encode that trickier foreign language word or maybe a foreign name that you're not used to hearing. I'll give tips on names now, tips that anyone can put into practice that are independent of visual-based memory techniques, and then I'll, I'll talk about one visual-based technique. So step number one, again, this is important in business, any career, everyone's personal life. You've got to become better at remembering names. Step one, whenever you're introduced to someone, make it a point to immediately repeat their name and shake their hand. So if you're introduced to someone named Jordan, you're going to shake his hand. Nice to meet you, Jordan. Pleased to meet you, Jordan. Just get into that habit. 
this forces you to pay attention for at least one to two seconds. Yeah, I need that. (laughs) A lot of times we're not remembering people's names because we're just not paying any attention when they are telling us their name. But if you're making a point to repeat the name, then you've got to listen for at least one or two seconds, right? So that's step one, repeat the name, shake the hand if you can. Step two, early on in your interaction with the person, ask them a question using their name. So Jordan, how do you know Chester? Jordan, how long have you been involved with this organization? Just ask a simple question using the name early on in your interaction, and that's really going to help the name to stick much better in your mind and prevent it from just going in one year and out the other year. Step three, think of an association between the person's name and anything at all that you already know. And I mean anything. Jordan might make you think of Michael Jordan. It might make you think of Jordan Almonds. It could be a character from one of your favorite TV shows or movies has that same name. It could even be simply that you have a friend or family member with the same name. Just think of an association between the name and literally anything at all that you already know, and that is going to help the name to stick very well in your mind. Step four, whenever you leave the party, the meeting, whatever type of function it might be, make it a point to say goodbye to people using their names. That's really going to go a long way toward helping you to remember more of those names the next time you see those people. All right. So those are four steps uh, right away that will help you independent of visual based memory techniques. If you combine those steps alone will help you a lot. Now, if you combine those steps with a visual based technique, you're definitely going to be remembering more names than you ever have before. You might not be 100 percent. Even I'm not 100 percent. Uh, but if you can remember 75 plus percent of the people you're meeting, this is going to be very helpful in your career, your personal life. Visual based technique, ask yourself, how does this person in some way look unique to you? It could be a particular facial feature. It could be something about their look overall. You will exaggerate that unique thing in your mind, exaggerate it in some way. Next, you will come up with an image that will remind you of the name and you will mentally link that image to the unique thing about the person. I'll give you a quick example of how this works. I'll give you the example that I gave on CNN when they interviewed me for tips uh, for their viewers on how to better remember names. They seem to find this example humorous. No offense out there to anyone that might have the name John. No offense. This is just how, this is just what pops into my head on that day. I said, if I happen to meet someone named John, And this particular John has ears that look to me to be on the large side. I would exaggerate those in my mind as being gigantic Dumbo-like ears swinging from the side of his head. And since the name is John, I might imagine a toilet bowl flushing in each ear. Uh, Toilet bowl as in going to the John. Um, That is a funny, horrible image. If you visualize that for even five seconds... It's going to be locked in your head. You won't be able to get rid of it. The second you see that guy again, right away, you're going to notice his ears. If you created all this crazy imagery with his ears before, right away, you'll notice the ears and you'll instantly know that his name is John. The hosts were cracking up. My, my CNN clip actually also made it on, on VH1's Best Week Ever, that show where the comedians 
go over funny right. news clips. So my, my clip was on uh, Best Week Ever as well. I can totally see this getting really funny in my own head because something ridiculous or even kind of like funny or even perhaps unfortunately mean-spirited would be something that I would totally remember as being ridiculous because, because it's out of character and because it's something I could never say. So if someone's like, hi, my name is Shirley, I could be like, surely she wouldn't fit in my little car because she's too big or what? And then I would totally remember that person's name forever, but you can never tell the person how. You know, they're not going to know what's going on inside of your head. They're right. just going to notice that you're able to call them by their name. They will really appreciate that fact. I have never, I mean, I've been going about remembering names like this for, you know, 10 years now. And even at a party or something or, you know, a cocktail hour, where I'm drinking, I've never slipped up and, and, and said how I remember the name. So I think you'll be pretty safe. Chester, thank you so much. We're gonna link to you in the show notes so that people can find you and book you for your internationalmanofmemory.com tips, tactics, and speeches. And we really appreciate your time, man. Great, thank you so much for having me on the show, guys. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that. I find that really interesting, and obviously this stuff works. I mean, there's no getting around it. I definitely still remember it. And Jason, do you remember it? Why don't you tell us the uh, list of objects? Okay, yeah, let's give this a shout here. So we've got monkey, iron, rope, kite, house, paper, shoe, worm, envelope, pencil, river, rock, tree, and quarter. Oh, tree, cheese, and quarters. Oh, sorry. okay. Cool. Well, hell, man. You even caught yourself. That's great. Amazing. Show feedback and guest suggestions. The show's are fan key. It's run by you. We rely on you to help keep our finger on the pulse. So if you know someone is a good fit for the show, let me know, jordan at theartofcharm.com. And if you enjoyed this, don't forget to thank Chester on Twitter. We'll have his site and Twitter linked up there as well. I'm also on Twitter at The Art of Charm. Bootcamp details at bootcamp.theartofcharm.com. There's two dots in there. Remember, we're sold out a few months in advance. So if you're thinking about it even a little, get in touch now, get some info from us so you can plan ahead. Also on the website, we've got our articles and our bonus episodes that aren't released in the feed for those of you who just can't get enough AOC. Subscribe in iTunes, review in iTunes. We've got our iPhone and Android apps for those of you who like to be on the go and uh, special Thanks to the Jasons for their help in production of the Art of Charm podcast and for their memorization skills. So go ahead and tell your friends because the greatest compliment you can give us is a referral to someone else either in person or shared on the web. Now have a great week and leave everything and everyone better than you found them. Thanks for listening to the Art of Charm. Get more confidence, relationship skills, life hacks, and everything for the extraordinary man at theartofcharmpodcast.com. 